So good morning. It is really, really good to be here with you this morning. Um, I know that um, most of you know me, but a few of you don't. Um, and as Angie said, my name is Reverend Nikki Saul, and I am the Association Minister of the Heart of Texas Association. Um, new churches located in North Texas Association. I'm in the heart of Texas, covering about Georgetown all the way to South Texas on into Corpus Christi. I'm a friend of New Church originally through my friendship with Joe Hudson, and then more recently through the Journey community, and it is a real honor to be here with you um, on Pride Sunday. I did not wear my rainbow pants um, like I usually do on, my, on our Pride, our, our Journey weekends, but to celebrate this year, I splurged and bought myself a custom pair of Converse, Pride Converse, so I want to show them off a little bit, you know? They're fun, right? Pride is fun. And how can you not be happy with all of the colorful rainbows and just the pure joy that is on display? Pride celebrations serve as a significant and powerful platform for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersexual, asexual, plus same gender loving community and its allies. Allows for all of us to come together, together to celebrate our identities and to uh, advocate for equality and acceptance. I recently binge watched a docu-series called no Mormon No More on Hulu. Has anyone seen that? It's four parts, really good. And it's about two ex-Mormon women who fell in love while they were married and members of the Mormon church. And Sally, one of the women there, described pride like this. I feel like pride is celebrating the non-traditional, the authentic living, however you want to present, however you feel on the inside, you can make yourself present on the outside. Pride events create that space for self-expression and creativity and affirmation of ourselves and our culture. But pride is more than a celebration. Pride is a protest a profound and empowering protest that has played a pivotal role in the LGBTQIA plus SGL movement throughout history and whatever other ABC letters that need to be added on to that, <laughs> right? We cannot forget that pride emerged as a response to discrimination, oppression, and the marginalized faced by the LGBTQIA plus SGL community. And if we only approach pride as a celebration or a party, then we lose the ways in which pride serves as a powerful vehicle for advocacy, awareness, and for social change. In our reading of the Hebrew scriptures this morning, we heard of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you were raised Baptist and you have it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so I just had to get that out of my way. Um, <laughs> And, and we, we, we learned about, see, Angie knows, we learned about their unwavering faith and steadfast devotion to God in this miraculous delivery from a fiery furnace. But to really, really understand the richness of the story, we need to zoom out a little bit and um, understand the context in which this story is situated in. The historical context of the book of Daniel revolves around the Babylonian and Pers uh, Persian empires and the life of the exiled Jews. In 586 BCE, the Babylonian Empire, under King Nebuchadnezzar II, conquered Judah. If you remember, the Israelites came in and kind of gets conf 
confusing because they're all called Israelites and they're all called Israel, but there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom's called Israel, okay? And the lower kingdom is called Judah, okay? Certain period of time, um, people came in and wiped out Israel. So all that's left is Judah, okay? So during this time period, the Babylonian Empire has come in, and instead of wiping the people out, they've exiled all the Jewish people, okay? They have destroyed the city of Jerusalem, including the first temple, okay? So many Jewish elites, like Daniel, for which the book is named, um, they were taken into captivity and moved into Babylon. But during their exile, these elite Jews, they were um, able to serve as uh, attendants in the royal court. So because of their elite status as Jewish people, some special people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were kind of spared, if you will, um, having to be assimilated into the common uh, Babylonian folk. And they actually got to serve in the royal courts. So you have these Jewish men exiled in a foreign country, and yet because of their elite status, they were given these cushy jobs. Okay, Cushy. And although arguably they were oppressed, right, because they were forcibly exiled, um, and, but they're a lot better off than the average Jew who had been exiled or who had been left behind or, worse yet, who had been killed. And even though they are living in another country with different customs and cultures, these men were Jewish. It's who they were. And they were trying to live by the Jewish principles and religious practices. Now, also during this time, it was really common for rulers to erect these statues or images to be worshipped as a symbol of their power and authority. The worship of rulers and deities associated with rulers was a common practice in many of these ancient civilizations, and it served to reinforce the ruler's position as the representative or even the embodiment of the divine, right? But mostly it was there to assert their authority over people. By demanding worship of their own image or associating themselves with divine beings, the kings aimed to solidify their control and to reinforce their position. And you have to remember, back in this time, the cultural and the religious realms were intertwined, right? So not only as a king, if I erect this statue and want you to worship it, I'm saying that I am the supreme ruler of our politicalness together, but also our religious life together. So in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, um, he built this golden uh, image, and it is believed that the statue was intended to promote and worship the loyalty of the Babylonian people and all those who lived in Babylon, so all these exiled Jews um, in this territory, to say that, hey, I'm the supreme guy. I'm it. But there was a problem. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego followed the God of Abraham. And the God of Abraham's very first commandment to Abraham said, you know what it is? You shall have no other gods before me. This commandment emphasized the exclusive worship of one true God and prohibited the worship of any other gods or idols. This one commandment established monotheism, that is one God, which was very weird back then. Back then they were polytheistic, lots of gods. But this one commandment established monotheism as the fundamental principle for the Jewish people. 
and it highlighted the importance of loyalty and devotion to God alone. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to abandon who they were, Jewish men, and who they were devoted to, the God of Abraham. Their refusal to bow down to the golden image, their protest, was seen as a direct challenge to the king, a direct challenge to the dominant system in place. And as often is the case, the dominant system doesn't like it when you challenge or protest against it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego disobeyed not once, but twice. And this enraged King Nebuchadnezzar. I like that his face got distorted. And he ordered his soldiers to heat the furnace seven times hotter than usual and to cast the men into it. Yet as the story goes, the king and his attendants, instead of witnessing the three men being burned alive, witnessed four figures walking around unharmed in the midst of those flames. And they claim that that fourth figure appeared like the son of the gods. Realizing the presence of God, Nebuchadnezzar called the men out of the furnace, and to everyone's amazement, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego emerged unscathed. Not a single hair singed. Mine would go up in flames. Nor their clothes affected by the intense heat. The king acknowledged their faithfulness and proclaimed their God as supreme, issuing a decree that anyone speaking against their God would be punished. For many, this story serves as a symbol of unwavering faith and divine deliverance and demonstrating that even in the face of extreme adversity, those who remain steadfast in the devotion to God can experience God's miraculous intervention. And that will preach. But, I shouldn't say but, I'm about to try to say yet. If we refocus reorient our focus this morning because it is Pride Sunday. If we reoriented that and look at this text through a queer lens, what do we see? We see three humans rejecting the safety and conformity and assimilation in order to be their authentic selves. Remember, they had the most cushy jobs available to exiled Jews. They had it. These, this job provided them with many luxuries that even some of the Babylonian citizens didn't have. All they had to do was hide who they really were and simply bow and their spot in this latter success was set. Today, society tries to force the LGBTQIA plus SGL community to reject their queerness in order to fit in, in order to succeed, in order to receive basic rights like gender-affirming care, heck, and even in order just to live. Society says, bow to the idol that the only right way to be is white, cisgender, heterosexual. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow, and neither should we. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's protest reminds us of several things. One, it is good and right to be authentic. Authenticity is not, well, is. Authenticity is about being true to ourselves and being true to others, aligning our actions and words with our deepest values and convictions. It means embracing our unique identities, our flaws, our strengths, and resisting the temptation to conform to societal expectations or seek approval. Authenticity requires vulnerability. As we let go of the masks that we wear and allow others to see us as we truly are. God, in God's infinite wisdom, calls us to authenticity. In Psalms 139.14, we read, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God created each of us with unique gifts and talents and personalities and identities and attractions and so on. So by embracing our authenticity, we honor God's craftsmanship and reflect God's glory in our lives. Hence the sermon title, Operation You Do You. But there's also strength in solidarity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when we, when we celebrate... Huh, I did a funny sentence there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there together, right? And when we show ourselves, when we show up, when we show up for ourselves, we show ourselves that we are not alone and that we can be our authentic self. And when we show up in solidarity, we show others that they are not alone, that they can be their authentic self if and when they want to. And we show up, we show society that we are here, that we are together, and that we are strong. Another lesson that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell us is that it's perfectly godly to stand up to oppression and tyranny. Even in the fiery furnace, God was with them, and God is with us. We might not always walk away from our challenges unscathed like these men appear to have done, but no matter what, God is with us. And the stories that we tell and hear about Jesus show us that time and time again that God is with us, God is for us, God shows up for us, and God especially is with those who are most vulnerable and oppressed. And finally, standing up to unfair power structures can bring about positive changes in our society. Living authentically has profound impact on the world around us. Our authentic lives become the testimony of, to God's transformative power. When we live in truth, we attract others seeking authenticity and provide a safe place for them to be ourselves, themselves. Our relationships become healthier, filled with trust. Our communities thrive as we foster an environment of acceptance and grace. It might not always seem that way. It might not always seem that we are being, thinking about positive change in our society. But as I watch 
this past month, communities around, pretty progressive Austin, which is where I'm from, but as I watch communities around in Round Rock and Leander and Georgetown and Taylor and Waco holding their own pride events, I know that I am witnessing positive change in the state of Texas. And as a cisgender heterosexual woman, I experience changes in the many new and growing relationships that I have with LGBTQI plus SGL individuals, many who are sitting right here in this room or watching online. And I am blessed and thankful for each and every one of you because you encourage me to live my authentic self. So as we continue our pride celebrations and protests, May we embody Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's bravery to live authentically, dismantling the fires of prejudice and building bridges of love and understanding. May we journey together, supporting and encouraging one another as we celebrate and we protest together. May God's blessings flow abundantly in our lives. Amen. <laughs>